Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 27. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. We're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the musty movies and guilty pleasures from our pasts. So smooth. <laughs> you don't know how we struggle. How many outtakes there are. Yes. There aren't actually very many <laughs> anymore. Yes. I feel one coming, though. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so if you're new to the show, um, each week one of us chooses a movie or a television show that the other person has never seen before and that it is absolutely imperative that we watch. Boy, that's putting a lot of pressure on it. It's imperative. <laughs> it's imperative. That we drop everything, and watch shut them. up, and watch, watch it. Okay. So this time it was Ashley's pick, and what yes. did you choose for us? I chose the, and I forgot the year it came from, uh, Joss Whedon's adaptation of Much Ado About Nothing, um, which came out two or three years ago, I want to say. 2012. Oh, wow. Okay. Boy, time flies. Or at least that's when it was produced. That's the production date they're listing in the I, And Wikipedia. it was Lionsgate. It might have come out in 2013, yeah. 2014. Actually, it might not have actually been released because it did the festivals for a while yeah. until closer to 2013, 2014. Um, and the reason I chose this particular film, uh, which I guess we'll do a synopsis of in a little bit, um, but if you're not familiar with, it is based on a Shakespeare play, which I thought... Um, would tie nicely in with our last week's choice of uh, Seven Samurai, our last couple. Also by Shakespeare. Also by Shakespeare. No. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of Shakespearean influence there. And then, of course, uh, Kurosawa did a lot of Shakespeare adaptations, mm-hmm. highly influenced by Shakespeare. So, um, you know, I've done a little bit of a study of Shakespeare, although I was just glancing through the this play. I don't think I've actually read the text of this play. But uh, I've seen, uh, starting with Kenneth Branagh's adaptation in 93, I've seen it live on stage. This is my favorite comedy, and I'm very much a comedies girl when it comes to Shakespeare. I love the beautiful poetry. You're not a Titus Andronicus fan? Oh, uh, well, (laughs) if you're going to pick a drama, that's definitely the one that you pick. Um, What about Pericles, Prince of Tyre? That's not your favorite? No, no. I've seen it performed. (laughs) At the Ashland oh, Shakespeare Winter's Festival. Tale, definitely. Um, okay. This is, you know, I, I love the poetry of the tragedies, but um, I'm all about the comedies, and this one is my favorite comedy. Um, I actually, in high school, way back in the day, um, with my um, uh, with my good high school friend, we actually did a bit, of, we kind of like, it was our stab at script editing, so we went in and pulled out the great, um, like, sort of scenes between Beatrice and Benedict, and then did it sort of a, like a compilation of the development of their relationship. So we did that as a competition scene. Didn't get very far in the theater competition, but um, I bet it was fun to do. <laughs> yes, it was, and um, I and that's the reason I love this play so much is the back and forth between Beatrice and Benedict, and the sort of. I mean, for a Shakespeare play, pretty progressive feminist things. She's a strong woman who has her own mind about things. You know, she doesn't get beaten into submission like... uh, um, The women who get beaten into submission. Not Love's Labor is Lost. Um, Elizabeth Taylor. um, Elizabeth Taylor. She's in the adaptation, um, the play that I'm thinking of. Kate. Kiss Me Kate. Oh, okay, Uh, yeah. Um... The Taming of the Shrew. Taming of the Shrew, yes. I've never seen you. that. Although, 
if you read the text, I really think that it's kind of ironic in her submission. But anyway, um, that's just some of my progressive views on Wait, wait, wait. So do we, it's, what's the synopsis of this? Do we need okay, to say so something about what it's about? We do, I think, uh, need to say something about what it's about. So we have... We will possibly be yeah. spoiling material <laughs> from the 1580s. Or, okay, but, be careful. Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> uh, so we have... Our, our scene is in a... I think it's a village. It's, it's in Italy somewhere. Um, Not in this version. That's true. It's in L.A. <laughs> it's in, in an L.A. house. <laughs> in this version. So we'll have to but talk about it. But the play is set in, in Italy somewhere. The you play know. is set in Italy somewhere. Yes. I'm going to just keep doing that. <laughs> um, so we have... Um, I think we're safe when we talk about character names. Yes. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> That's true. Okay. So let's just go with the play synopsis and we can get to the differences between the play in a second. Um so it's a country estate. Um, a messenger arrives and says, the troops are coming back from the war. Um, you know, get ready to house all the troops, essentially. And we have uh, Leonato, who is the patron of this villa. And then he has a daughter named Hero. Uh, he has a niece named Beatrice. So, And then there's various other characters around there house servants, um, you know, maids, that sort of thing in their household. Dogs' bodies. Yes. No, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> there are, um, uh, what are they? Uh, watchmen. Yeah, of course. And sheriffs, of yes. course. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the troops arrive, and among the troops that arrive is the prince of the area that they live in, um, and his companion... Companion sounds weird. His, his assist, I don't know what he is. He's like an assistant. Um, Who are we going for? The prince's assistant who marries Hero. Claudio. Claudio, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and then his friend Benedict. Those are the sort of the, the main people. And then they also arrive with um, the prince's younger brother who everybody hates is and, and is awful and is the evil force behind everything that sort of happens in the play. He's the bastard prince. He is the bastard prince, yes. Also, he's a bastard. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, to set up the story, Claudio falls in love with Hero on first seeing her. and uh, As one does in Shakespeare. Yes, it's true. And he wants to marry her, but she's already, like, betrothed to the prince or something like that. So the prince says, I'm going to woo Hero for you with a mask on. And then <laughs> that all seemed unnecessary yeah. to me. I don't, but anyway, okay, Shakespeare. And then he was gonna break off the engagement with Leonardo so that Claudio could marry Hero. So that's like the first. Anyway, act of the play. he's like, "I'm gonna work yeah. this out for you." By the time this evening's over, you guys. Yeah, so that's the big kind of plot thing. The side thing that's going on is Beatrice and Benedict have this sort of adversarial relationship, where like. You know, he hates the sharp term, shock, sharp tongued woman, and she's like frustrated with this like egotistical guy, and they kind of like bat back and forth all the time. Um, so, meanwhile, you know, once the engagement gets figured out, um, they have like seven days to wait till they can get married. So, to entertain everybody while they're getting married, they de- before they get married, they decide to bring Beatrice and Benedict together because obviously they're into each other, even though they're kind of, you know, 
yelling at each other all the time and, and like sort of play fighting um, sort of thing. So that's takes up the most of the play. And then like a side thing is that Don Pedro is not, yeah, Don Pedro. Is that? That's the prince. Yeah. Oh no. Um, Don, Don John. John. John is, is plotting against him. So he is able God to, damn you, Don yeah, Johnson. He no, is not able Don, Don, Don to John. convince Claudio to, um, to look out in Hero's window, and he convinces one of his comrades to seduce a house servant in the guise of Hero. And so Claudio sees this and thinks that Hero's been unfaithful to him. Um, so he leaves her at the altar, essentially calls her out leaves in front of dead. everybody. Yeah, I mean, left for dead. Yeah, and she, is- you know, she faints because she's been accused of of being unfaithful, and and she's not. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the play kind of plays out where they, you know, through a set of circumstances are able to figure out. It all gets worked out very yeah. quickly after that, actually, <laughs> even though that's kind of the big moment of crisis. Yeah. It doesn't take long to like fix all that. It's really hard to summarize a Shakespeare play quickly, especially one, a comedy, because the comedies have all these like twists and turns and, you know. Benedict and Beatrice, Claudio and Hero. They end up two couples, happy, strife, bantering. <laughs> almost doesn't come off yeah near tragedy everything works out happy ending yeah which is what the the comedies do they they end happily it's true except for some of the more mature ones which are a little more you know so but why did you choose this for us to watch well one of the reasons is because we couldn't get a hold of the one that i actually wanted to watch um so we had to find something else (laughs) we totally lied to you audience because we told you we were going to watch uh hands on a hard body this week so we have a reservation for hands on a hard body it just didn't happen before we had to record the show so we watched much ado about nothing i can't say that i have a i i like this version a lot um you hadn't seen it Mm -mm. um and like you said, it had been a long time since you'd seen the Kenneth Branagh version. So that's the version that Came I... Came out in 1993? That's when I saw that's it. That's the one I grew up watching. And I like I had it on VHS that I played in my college apartment like when I had no one to talk to. And I would just watch my movies over and over again. That was one of those. So I have... But you've seen this version before, right? Yeah. I've Well, I, I own it. I actually... I brought it into Shall our Shall we count how many movies I own that I haven't seen yet? <laughs> Um, but I liked it a lot. I like that it's shot in black and white. Um, I think it's really interesting, the circumstances in which it was made. We haven't said anything about how that's been transposed to the setting. Yeah. So, um, this was filmed in Joss Whedon's actual home or his home at the time. Joss Whedon's actual home. I don't think he lives there anymore based on personal personal circumstances. But at the time he lived in that home and it was filmed in the two weeks between the end of the first Avengers and the start of the new Avengers. It was, was, he had some kind of contractual break during the post-production, which probably went on for a long time for the Avengers, right? All that stuff they got to do to it. So yeah, they, they shot it in 12 days in his house. Yeah. Which I mean, like, I think it's, it's well suited for, for that. It's, like on the edge of a golf course so you can 
you get the the sense of there being some amount of wilderness behind the thing. Um, it's actually Not kind really. of well, yeah, a little bit, but it's I think it's kind of incredible what they were able to do. And granted, this play never leaves the villa at all, right. so it's well situated to film in this way. But I think that they were able to use the house in very interesting ways. They shot largely in natural light, which I think is amazing. Um, I think it it bring some of the warmth and quality to the, 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 the photography. Um, I don't know. I think it was a, a, you know, a very good adaptation of this particular play. So, um, more because the play is so important to me that I wanted to show it to mm-hmm. you, but also I, I, it's a very interesting, but we have a Joss Whedon connection yeah, too. It's true because you're the one who sat me down and said, now, my friend, it's time that we watch all of Buffy the yeah, Vampire Yeah, you've only Slayer. watched half of the first season of Buffy. You need to finish this, man. <laughs> so, we did. We did. We did. A year and a half ago, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. I think and, it took um, the first year of A our... lot of uh, Joss Whedon regulars pop up in the cast. We haven't said yeah. anything about any of the people who are in it. <laughs> I didn't know that Benedict was... Um, What's his name? Alex from... Denisoff. Yeah, he's the. What's his character on Buffy? Uh, he's the second watcher. No idea. Yeah, absolutely had no idea in hell that, that was the same person. Really? That's had funny. no idea. That guy's he's this prissy, prissy English guy yeah. in that show. That's the only thing I've yeah. ever seen him as is you know that kind of milk toast prissy yeah. sort of you know Giles kind of Junior Giles. Yeah, Giles Junior. Yeah. Didn't recognize him at all. I don't know that actor by name. I didn't recognize him because he's just, you know, American in this film. He married Willow, too. They're actually okay. married. <laughs> yeah. It just blew my mind. Yeah. I think I... You, I'm really, I've tried to mention you, this you a me few times before. before. But we always have a thing where I'm like, I don't know who Alexis Denisov is. Yeah. But anyway, he's Benedict. Beatrice is Amy Acker. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Clark Gregg, super Joss Whedon regular from Avengers and um, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I haven't seen a whole lot of. Um, and Amy Acker was an angel character. She was an angel. She I've seen like played three two characters of angel. an angel. Yes. So, and my God, <laughs> two of my favorite characters yeah. are Nathan Fillion and Tom Lank. Mm. Is that his name? Tom Lank mm. from, uh, from Andrew from Buffy. Andrew, and- one of the geek trio mm-hmm. from Buffy. And uh, Nathan Fillion. Fabulous Instagram account, by the way. From both Serenity and Buffy. He plays the great evil guy in the last season of Buffy. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Captain Malcolm, which we all know him for, Mal, uh, from uh, the Serenity series. So they play the the bumbling uh, sheriffs, right? Well, and I have to say... Dogberry. Like, the Dogberry is, like, the best, like, comic part... One of the better comic parts in Shakespeare, I think. And, like, both... Nathan Fillion does a fantastic job, but also I just a call out to, um, and I've forgotten his name, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Oh, from the the other version. The other version has Michael Keaton in it, and he's fantastic in that role as well. So it's just it's just. A I very... love how much language he mangles when he just grabs <laughs> the wrong word. Like that's a malapropism. It's I think, right? so beautiful. How I mean, like the puns. And the misunderstanding and misapplication of language in that part so is So that he's just, often putting himself down yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead of directing <laughs> it at the person Put down thinks, yeah, that I am put, an ass. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. Well, and I love how, like, when he's referring to, the, to, to Leonato, who is the, like, in charge of the villa, he's, like, his senior 
guy. And like he says all these things that he thinks are being polite, but is actually like putting himself above above his his boss, which I think is hilarious too. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so I have to say something about um, my experience watching the movie because I'm sure I read this play. The last time I really dealt with Shakespeare would have been around 92 or 93 when I think in my last year of UCSD undergrad, I took a Shakespeare class. So we read, you know, 12 or 15, Mm -hmm. like play a week or two plays a week or something like that. I'm sure this was one of them. And I did see the um, Kenneth Branagh version way back then and haven't seen it or thought of it or really read any Shakespeare since the 90s. Yeah. So, um... My and so not being familiar with the the story and the characters, like you've seen it a million times, you yeah. know exactly who everyone is. That first, like I want to say, twenty minutes or half hour, where they're introducing everybody. <laughs> I was like sitting there. I had to sit really straight up. I don't know if you saw me doing that. I was yeah. like sitting there, and I was like concentrating so hard. It was not pleasurable. It was like because yeah. I because your ears are not used to the language. Yeah. And so you feel as though you're missing everything when you're out of practice with Shakespeare. Yeah. You are really out of practice. And it's, it's true. It's like a foreign language for about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. But there is a point where um, you've, you've, you know enough of the gist of who people are, even if you don't quite have a handle on their names, but you, you're now gleaning the relationships and now they're in it relating to each other. And now you're seeing their actions like taking shape, you know, how they're affecting each other now. Who cares who they were when they came in (laughs) from the war, apparently pulling up in their limousines outside. Yeah. Um, But, but there's a moment where it kicks in, like Uh almost like the buzz kicking in where, where um, you don't struggle with the language Mm. so much anymore. It's probably like when you go to a foreign country, like if we go to Paris next year or something like that, where where just the exposure to the French, like if you've taken French in your past or something like that, there's going to be a time where it like it, you start to get it again, you start to hear it. And, and, and so I definitely feel like I need, like this is a different experience, not knowing the story or the characters at all. And, and and I almost need to watch the first half hour again yeah. to enjoy to enjoy it mm-hmm. because it was a it was a struggle yeah. for a while. Well, and I think that they I mean, because it is a very tight adaptation. So like looking at the script that I'm looking at right now, like it's a lot longer. It would be like if they tried to do the whole thing, it would be like a three hour. Oh, and he gave us a snappy. It's yeah. about an hour and a half. Yeah, it's really good length for a, any sort of romantic comedy. Yeah. Actually, I wish more movies would be 90 minutes. I'm just going to say that right yeah. now. The world has a lot of two and a half hour movies right now. Yeah. I understand the new Avengers movie is going to be about three hours or something like that. I don't know. I think this is Peter Jackson's fault, you know, with the whole... At least we don't have a three film version of Much Ado About Exactly, Nothing. you know. Well, it does have three words in it, so you <clears throat> might split it into three different movies. Um <laughs> Part one, much ado? No. <laughs> About nothing. <laughs> nothing. I want to see nothing. I much nothing. enjoyed nothing. Um, so then I want to... I want to sound you out. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, now we've transposed, like, it's very odd. I'm trying, I can't think of other examples of like a Shakespeare adaptation that has been transposed to like a contemporary setting like this. And we're really just going with it in, yeah. in as if it's playing out in a, in somebody's house in Hollywood. Yeah. And, and so 
I mean, it, the, the, like, so, the Lerman Romeo and Juliet maybe is the other one that's kind of like that. I guess so. There's something about the fact that it's all in this house yeah. that feels different. Mm-hmm. And I want to call it like something about suspension of disbelief or something mm-hmm. like that. It's kind of like how some people have trouble with musicals because people are all this, you know, they stop and break, break into song. There's something very weird about hearing people talk about Dukes and, you know, to have the, the yeah. play and the text of the play be the same while people are, you know, opening wine bottles in a kitchen and walking around the house. You know, you're like, <laughs> it's, it, and, and so it's hard. It's, it's harder to go like, this is actually happening to them. And it's not yeah. just Joss Whedon's friends having a lot you yeah, know playing this around that. the house yeah so i don't think that is a bad thing no i'm just saying i i, I can't think of anything like they do this all the time on the stage with shakespeare mm. right yeah. everything is it's in nazi germany and it's like like the, yeah. everything is like it is this these timeless texts being you know played out in some other setting but it's like built up so yeah. that the world is there and i don't know i don't know how to describe it yeah <laughs> Oddly, this, do you remember, I don't remember what this commercial was for, but there was like a, this is, this is so weird. Um, there was sort of like, it was a commercial where it was like a minimalist stage and, and like they're wearing like all white with these like geometric shapes and like somebody was reciting Shakespeare in a German accent and it's just like really weird. And so the commercial text was Germans don't do Shakespeare or something like that. <laughs> anyway, that. but I guess Americans don't do Shakespeare in their homes or something yeah, like yeah. that is what I'm I'm going. <laughs> but I guess some of them do. <laughs> so I'm not saying this is a flaw. I'm <laughs> yeah. just pointing it out as, a, as another interesting thing about viewing this is seeing it played out in this very mundane kind of I, I mean it's a beautiful house. Yeah. But and it's played a Tuscan out in a way, a little Tuscany. As if they're contemporary Americans who happen to be talking about Mantua and, yeah. you know, Dukes and, you know, it, it's cool and weird and disorienting and strange and, and I don't know, to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, there's nothing, they don't do, like, there's no overt context, but, like, I mean, like, you can lay whatever you want over it, but it could be, like, you know mafia italian style sort oh, of Oh, I can't make any on. sense out of who yeah. they're supposed to be in the contemporary world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's much done with that. No. Although you see Don John arrive in like um like a secure uh, restrained Yeah, they rest- seem like they're celebrities or something like that or There's no I don't know. Yeah. There's no real American contemporary explanation for this That's what I'm trying to yeah. say. I don't have a well, problem with it because the the actors are so good and the play mm. is so good it's shakespeare and the dialogue is there and the situations are there so like i said it the play itself and joss and his friends have with their the fun they're having putting this on it kicks in yeah and then none of these things are liabilities yeah but they do make it a different experience than the usual film adaptation of shakespeare well, I mean, and while you're saying this, I'll add, like, the opening scene in this is actually not the opening scene in the play where you get the messenger and they find out that the prince is coming and all of that stuff. The opening scene in this adaptation is um, 
they show Beatrice on a bed and Benedict is getting dressed as if they've just spent the night together. She pretends like she's asleep and he tries to quietly sneak out. He does. So that's the, that's the, um, well, this is sort of psychological backstory. That's not in the play. It's not really. I mean, she does mention that, um, it gives them a history. At one point that Mary, Mary of me, he, I can't remember the exact line. Um, I don't know. That. He he once wanted essentially is the line, and she says this to the prince huh. when when he's talking about how she's wounded him because she said some stuff to him at the party and okay. when he was pretending not to be himself, um, which is that's the thing that happens a lot in the plays: people pretending to be who they aren't, um, whether it's at a masquerade or you know. For, I just remember when we were watching it, being so bewildered with that with that struggle with the language in the first 15 minutes and, and trying to get the contextual information of who are all these people descending? You know, I understand Clark Gregg, uh, Don Pedro, his niece, Beatrice and Leonardo is Leonardo. Sorry. uh, Leonardo, um, you know, that's all set up and and you see them arriving, but like, I I turned to you like an hour and I was like, who is this guy again? You're like, he's the prince. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm not catching names. I don't really understand. He's in some position of authority. I didn't get that they came from a war. I don't know why, um, Don John is in restraints (laughs) when he arrives, but, but has, but has a nice, he did something bad. But he has a lovely little room upstairs yeah. in the in the yeah. the mansion. Yeah, you know? he 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 recently reconciled. That's in the that's in the actual text. Having yeah. been recently reconciled with your brother, you know, I welcome you. You know, we're not going to lock you in the dungeon this time because because you're reconciled with your brother now. Although apparently not all that reconciled. <laughs> so, interestingly, um, one I had to, I I did go and pull up a couple synopses of the mm. play just to kind of straight get straight in my head like what I've already seen yeah. so that we could talk about it a little bit. And one thing I think it might have been the page I read on in Royal Shakespeare Company had a great little synopsis, yeah. perfect reading. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it was like three paragraphs long. Yeah. You didn't, you know. Um, but I feel like I think I don't know if it's the case, but our is the Beatrice and Benedict story considered to be kind of the the B plot? So because that's, that's it's not usually put on like that. They are usually foregrounded, I think, in a way, aren't well, they? Well, I think that so. Yeah, it's it's an odd <clears throat> play in that I think that Benedict and Beatrice are intended to be the main love interest that we're supposed to care the most about. Uh-huh. I mean, and like, I mean, I the, think that other... those two characters are the most likable because Claudio is kind of an asshole. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and Hero's a little kind of wishy-washy, you know, as far as... There's like, not a lot to her as yeah, she's written, yeah. I don't find. Yeah. So, she I doesn't mean, like, have very their, much dialogue, their relationship isn't very deep. I think that, that it goes to show the comparison between their relationships, whereas Benedict and Beatrice are a, like a meeting of the minds of, you know, so there's passion and there's fire and there's intelligence and spark. And with Claudio and Hero, it seems to just be like they're two pretty people who are kind of attracted to each other. Well, and he's really like he's really easy to convince him that she's been untrue, although she's not never done anything to imply that she would do that. He's like, oh, she's terrible. Like right away. Like I, I like I don't know. I like the revenge that they get on him for believing it in the first place. So I think that that's, that's one of the things I love so much about the play is the like Claudio kind of gets his yeah. <laughs> for being a jerk about it. 
but so but one of the synopses I read seemed to like focus more on the intrigue of that of that yeah going on with Claudio you know denouncing Hero and like it, this affects more like kingdoms and alliances and stuff yeah. probably I mean I don't know well I think it, that it, that's just the sounding board but they're like yeah. usually people uh, and and productions foreground the yeah. Beatrice and um, Benedict. Well, I mean, the, the back and forth they have is just so like the the wordplay and the punning and all of that that happens between the two of them is just really good. And like nobody else. It's like has a straight that. line from yeah. Howard Hawks yeah. all the way back. Exactly. to. I mean, you can you see the dawn of like Hepburn and Tracy mm-hmm. and Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell or Irene Dunn, um, all of that kind of like there's not. There is a little bit of screwball here, yeah. But yeah. but the romantic comedy, the banter and the the wit and the verbal sparring, like I, it's 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 been so long since I've read one of these Shakespeare comedies, but it's all there. Yeah, yeah. Everything that we're seeing now. Yes, I, I understand that Shakespeare is rather influential. <laughs> I just have to tell myself. Well, I mean, like, I'm going to share my insights. I would love with you to tonight. see a version. You know, it's not possible now. I'd love to see a version with Cary Grant as Benedict. I think he'd be fantastic. Yeah, he's got the physical comedy down. Um, Alex Denisov did some pretty good stuff with the physical comedy. They both did, both uh, Amy Acker and Alex Denisov. Yeah, so I'm laughing at the. I'm, I was laughing at the time, but the the broad slapstick of the like ducking under bushes. <laughs> Almost is a little too far for me. You know, yeah. it's, it's funny. It's amusing. but it's, Well, I would say it's even more heightened in the Brana version. This one was it? actually a little bit toned down. Really? Yeah. So like Kenneth Brana is like rolling, flopping around like a crazy person. Oh, well, he's and, rolling across yeah. lawns and ducking behind uh, shrubs and, you know, peering in through the window. It's yeah. very silly. Yeah. But I guess it's probably written that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that Hero and Claudio provide the like through line essentially they their story provides the action that Beatrice and Benedict and then they have some like really beautiful sort of dramatic scenes where she is so upset that her her cousin has been maligned and she wishes she had the power and strength of a man in order to you know defend her cousin's honor and and there's this like so it's it's sort of a, a tragic scene set in the middle of this comedy which I think is really well acted by these actors. You know, you get to see the full stakes at hand. I mean, essentially, you know, they're pretending like her cousin died and she didn't. But essentially in this in this society, to be accused of this on your wedding day is akin to being, you know, essentially you're ruined for life. You mm-hmm. know, her father says you might as well be dead. You know, essentially, you know, why didn't you die? Yeah. You know, if, if your you're death guilty would have been this, preferable to yes, this. Yes, to this. Um, so, I mean, like, I, I think that. And yet pro- they're just standing in a Hollywood house in the back lawn. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it a little dramatic? <laughs> I like well, how they're like, we're, we will meet at the church, but they're just yeah. down on the golf course or yeah, right behind yeah. the house or something like the church. <laughs> the okay. Church. Well. Or they have the, when he's putting a plaque on her grave, they're like walking down the stairway down to the golf course, which I right. think is funny. Yeah. <laughs> carrying but you know carrying what? Torches. I really like it. And I'm, I've come around to this because the reason Joss did this is because he, I mean, one of the reasons was he used to just do this for fun. Mm-hmm. Like they would have dinner parties and do Shakespeare read alouds. And so he just wanted to kind of capture finally 
this sort of thing on film. Like, let's yeah. actually do it. Yeah. It'll be easy. We'll do it in the house. And um, we have a little time off. And they kept it secret was yeah. another thing I, I was reading about. Is they were all um, they were all um, told to keep it quiet until it was wrapped. Well, and I was reading a little bit about this, but like apparently it came out shortly after this came out. They were like, "What are you doing, making a movie in between like the production of this giant movie that?" You, and like apparently he came out like as a workaholic, and it's yeah. like a major problem in his life that he just can't slow down. Yeah, you know, and 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 you know take some time to so he has to create something in between. But I have to say that I I was excited when I found out this was coming out. I it's more my thing. I'm not really a superhero kind of thing, unless it's a vampire slayer, obviously. But um, <laughs> but I mean, I make exceptions these, for vampire slayers. All these too. big screen, zoomy, giant, you know, superheroes with their uh, American stars and you know, silver surfers and all of that stuff is punching just, she, punching each other while flying through the air. I just, and I mean, I'm like. Earth. There, I mean, like I saw the first Avengers. I did enjoy it, but it's still not my favorite thing. I prefer these smaller stories told in in smaller ways. You know, you can. But the thing is, is Buffy. You can tell small stories about superheroes. They don't have to be like this giant on this. But unfortunately, high school is a matter of life and death. Exactly. <laughs> you and your friends can save the universe. So yeah, I, I, I. Would wish that it would, you know, if he could creep back around to more of that sort of thing. Because, um, you know. Well, I think most of us fell in love with Joss Whedon because of the character dynamics and the dialogue. Yeah. Though he didn't write the dialogue He didn't write in this the dialogue case, here. But... but he assembled the kind of cast that he assembles mm-hmm. who have that kind of dynamic that he is drawn towards and that he paints yeah. so well. I mean, I don't, you know, I guess we don't give enough credit for that, but the, I mean, like the way that the roles are cast in, in almost everything is just really beautifully done. You know, um, people like really inhabit those roles and like, how much you, do we love the firefly crew? Yeah, <laughs> I know. But I mean, like when you're when you're translating something like Shakespeare to, you know, a movie audience, you have to have those actors who can be so expressive with their faces and with the way that they, you know, just the way that they say lines in order to get the meaning across. You know, it's it's really hard to do that because there's so much meaning in Shakespeare and like American ears don't always aren't always trained to pick up on all of that that's going on. So you really have to express it with your facial expressions and with the way that you say the lines. And um, I think they did a pretty good job of that. I think that may be part of the way that you kind of get drawn into the language of it is because the actors. Well, I think are at some to... point I had to make a choice to like lower my guard too yeah. and kind of like <laughs> look, you're getting it enough. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy, you know. Like, I may not have gotten every detail or every line, but at a certain point with these actors and this direction, you're seeing the way they're relating to each other. You're getting the emotional truth. You're getting the laughs where you need to. Well, and like, I want to say, like, I took I took a class in uh, 16th century literature and like 
the thing is is that even though it's it's pretty close to what modern English is, it actually is very different because the culture of the time is so different than our culture is now. Like a lot of people assume that culture stays the same. So the English people are very similar to the American people, or very similar to American people 300 years later, which is not the case. Culture moves, it changes. Things change meaning, words change meaning. So like you know, a Shakespeare, you know, a person alive during the time of Shakespeare would have picked up on so much more. And like, in order to pick up on that, you have to study, like what life was like in that time period in order to pick up everything. So you just have to assume that you're missing a lot, because you are not someone who was alive during the 16th century. This is why I used to have my Folgers Shakespeare (laughs) library, uh, mountain grown coffee edition of, um, of the with all the annotations yeah. on the bottom. That's what I'm well, trying to say. The footnotes like, and the annotations where they tell you every single reference. Exactly. It takes like 15 times longer well, to read. Well, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Like you can hear Shakespeare and you can think it's this fussy language, but like three quarters of what's in there are sex jokes and poop jokes and, you know, dick jokes. They're all like all over Shakespeare. I mean, like I was just reading about one that was just thrown in about poetry and it's, it actually ended up being, he was talking about um, he was using sheets, but like sheets of paper versus bed sheets. Right. And like, it's a sex joke, yeah. you know, they're talking about poetry, but it's essentially a sex joke, you know? So I think that's timeless sex jokes. Yeah, I, well, that's one of the things I like about Shakespeare is all that hidden meaning. It makes it really interesting and fascinating. Double and, and triple entendres. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I think we're at about uh, about the end of the road here. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on the... Um, I, I just... Beatrice is like one of my favorite female characters ever. You know, I always wanted to, to, to be her, to have, to have a banter partner. I think I found one, maybe, eventually. I'll try and be a better Benedict for your Beatrice. There you go, thank you. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, you know, by comparison... I just think that, um, I don't know. I think that there's some commentary on, on quality and of relationships in this play. And, but to me, I think the most satisfying thing, and it's always been the most satisfying thing for me in a lot of like this kind of drama is that I love that, you know, everybody gets their just desserts at the end of this. Like Claudio gets his like, Oh, you have to marry my niece cause you were a jerk and you killed my daughter. And then it like the switcheroo at the end. I just think that that's, um, uh, beautiful, um, what is that a dramatic irony or something like that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like it. Um, it's she my likes kind dramatic of, irony. It's my kind of thing, you know. <laughs> Excellent. Well, on on my part now, uh, well, now I want to go back and see the Kenneth Branagh version. Yeah. I think I should probably uh, so have seen uh, has it. Has Keanu Reeves in the Don John? Uh, he's so bad. He just, he's so bad. So reciting guys. reciting Shakespeare for okay. with Keanu Reeves. I, is that like a? <laughs> I would. Is I would that listen, a documentary? I would listen to that podcast, <laughs> reciting Shakespeare with Keanu Reeves. It sounds like um like a book on tape or something that yeah. you would get through the library. I guess they're not on tape anymore. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Well, so we made it through Shakespeare after all. Yeah. I have no idea what happened in the first thirty minutes, but there you go. I'm exaggerating. <laughs> all right. This has been Dave. Dave. And this has been Ashley. 
And you've been listening to Shut Up and Watch This, and we will shut up so you can watch this yes. by disappearing for a couple of weeks and then coming back possibly with hands on a hard body, although it's out of no, print. No, no, it's your turn next, so... Oh, okay. I have no idea what we're watching. I'm not even going to lie about it. Okay. I'm not going to make anything up. He just decides, the like, the day we watch it. the cats are chewing on a box. It. They're not fighting tonight, but they're chewing in a box back there. He really just decides the day we watch it, depending on how he feels at the time. It's true. Yep. But I always have... Um, things in mind yes all right well um if you uh if you want to <laughs> follow us on facebook we do we appreciate it um find us on instagram and subscribe to the show yes on uh overcast or apple podcasts we're on spotify find mm-hmm. us wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe to the show leave a review on itunes it helps other people find us and we're looking forward to talking about another movie soon yeah. take care thanks